Howdy, Matt. Good evening. How was your day? Hey, Johnny. My day was pretty good. Had a nice lunch with my wife this morning and spent the day learning all about React. How about your day? Excellent. So I have to say welcome to Bygrow Repeat episode 55 on the 5th of May. That's the day of the recording. So it just happened to be a coincidence that it's 5-5. My day has been going okay. I am a little sore from uh, the working out. I'm getting back into to work out every single day. So yeah, weather is uh, getting better. We're getting close to the 20s in Celsius. Not there yet, but I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> in so May, we're going to cross paths at some points because you're going up past 20s and I'm going down past 20s. <laughs> Yeah, well, hopefully I would, I would want to see that uh, sooner rather than later. <laughs> yeah. So let me go to my update first, and then I'll pass it over to you. Sure. So this week, <laughs> I've been doing something interesting. I've been um, going into this really interesting world of Facebook ads and Facebook business accounts because I'm trying, looking to support this customer that came in. One of the things that SurveyWall does is that it integrates with Facebook ads so that you can send ads to from Facebook to your chatbot, right? So that way you can find new people to fill out your survey. And I have a customer who was struggling with using Facebook ads. And I was trying to follow the documentation, which is from several years back, and it's been updated. What a surprise. Like Facebook is one of those platforms that I wish I don't have to use because... <laughs> Just trying to add a new business page is a hassle because it doesn't really allow you. I think it breaks the terms of service if you're trying to create a, like multiple accounts with the same identity. It's trying to basically map your online identity to a real person, right? So there's a one-to-one mapping. I believe it discourages people from having you know like a Johnny 2, Johnny 3 account. But, but what it does is that you can be Johnny on Facebook, but you have multiple businesses and you could be, you know, the ad administrator on one account and then you could be the page administrator on another account. So, yeah, just trying to figure all the stuff out is so confusing. All the knobs and toggles. Most of the time, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to Google the heck out of this. And um, isn't that what we're all doing? Just Googling the heck out of stuff to figure things out. <laughs> It is, but even like for something, let's say Twitter, at least it's a little bit simpler, mm. right? It doesn't try to take over your entire existence. I've always found Facebook to be a big black box and I've run ad campaigns and I've done social media marketing stuff on Facebook. And it's probably one of the more confusing platforms that I've ever used. And I've done like a bunch of um, Twitter advertising. I've done some. Google AdWords as well. Actually, a lot of Google AdWords. And Facebook to me just seems like this. I don't know what it is. The interfaces don't seem connected. And they've got <laughs> this business section. And then they've got the setting sections, which is a complete different, almost different website, but on the same domain. And nothing feels intuitive about their UI at all. Yeah. So I spend the majority of the time. But the good news is right now, I'm seeing. Um, the ad is live and active, so 
right now there's a live ad going on in Germany. That's where my customer is at. And uh, he gave me permission to go into his ad, ads manager. So from time to time, while I'm chatting with you, I'm looking at <laughs> whether somebody has clicked on my ad, whether their impressions are growing. Oh, so, so far, there are 500 people that have seen uh, the ad so far. Very nice. Yeah. So we talked about this last week, which is part of the exercise that I want to do is I want to go through running my own ads, creating my own survey. So apart from helping this customer, I've started creating my own survey. I've been thinking like of a brand. I don't know what to call it. Some kind of research institute. Because I guess I want it to look somewhat, you know, non-scammy, right? I don't mm-hmm. want to be some weird brand name that is trying to push out surveys, ads, right? So, and I've created a new survey and I just, for the life of me, I couldn't figure out what to ask people. I mean, I've tried to look at different like popular trends. Like one of them is remote work. So I might want to push out a survey regarding a remote work. But as the first one, I just want to debug the system so that there are some ad traffic. So I picked the topic of ice cream. I have this uh, survey that I've created asking people what their favorite ice cream flavor is. Mm, very nice. And um, yeah, so if you see it on Facebook, someone you know that is conducting an ice cream survey, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I see it, I'll definitely <laughs> respond. <laughs> yeah. I think it's some, one of these things that is pretty you know, popular right, with, with everybody. Nobody's going to be offended if I ask them whether they like ice cream or not, right? Unlike, you know, some certain fruits or other types of foods, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are people that don't like ice cream, but I haven't met anybody yet. That is my first question because I thought it would be, it wouldn't be um, right to go straight into what flavor of ice cream do you like, right? Like, what if people don't like ice cream? That kind of crossed my mind. And so I had that as my first question. I'm like, really? Is that really a serious question? I mean, maybe if you're diabetic, right? Or if you have some sort of health conditions. But even then, you can still like ice cream. You just can't consume ice cream, but you still like ice cream. I would uh, label myself as a ice cream connoisseur. I love ice cream. When I was living in the States in 2004, they had these, I think, I believe it was a gallon, a gallon of ice cream, this big tub. And I finished that whole gallon in one night. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) That's uh, how I relate to ice cream. (laughs) And I still love ice cream. And I wanted to, at one point, start an ice cream shop. Uh, (laughs) It didn't happen. But the other interesting fact about ice cream and myself is that I like to chew ice cream. It's very strange. My wife thinks it's very strange. But uh, that's my thing. I put the ice cream on a spoon, put it in my mouth and chew it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I chew on it. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's why like, I prefer ones that has some texture to it. So uh, obviously, mm. you can just get the plain ones. Like the ones that I love the most. Oh, you can make me ideas. I think I'm going to go shop for ice cream after <laughs> this. Because I saw the flyer yesterday. I know where things are on sale today. So I love those like Häagen-Dazs bars. So there's one that's my favorite, which is the ones with the uh, well chocolate covered, of course obviously and then um, the almond bits yep i love me an almond ice cream yeah because there's the crunchiness and then there's a, the softness of the ice cream yeah those are the best yeah 
starting to get a bit too cold here for ice cream though <laughs> but I'll, I'll i'll still eat it there's always ice cream in my fridge there's all yeah i don't care if it's like you know snowing outside i enjoy ice cream uh whether it's outdoor or indoors um, anyway so let's come back to the work week so another big achievement is i filed my income tax this weekend that was a nice quite an achievement yeah so finally got that done it's one of the I don't know. Every year I tell myself that I have to either outsource that or I have to figure out a way to do it more efficiently. And I'm going to simplify my finances. And But every single year I'm spending more time than I would like. And this year I didn't find an accountant. Like, So I had a bad experience with an accountant. That's one of the reasons why I didn't do it. Because at one point I was like, you know, this is like my time is way more important. I don't care. You know, if I have to spend a lot of money on it, it, so be it, right? I had a bad experience. And then from that point on, you know, I'm very also particular with my my setup. Then this year, I had a whole bunch of like crypto taxes have to file. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's yeah. interesting. Too deep down the NFT rabbit hole day. It was a nightmare. Not an NFT. It's called this thing called DeFi, decentralized finance. So yeah, <laughs> nice. don't want to get started on a new crypto podcast because there are like way too many of them already. But uh, yeah, it's, it was a nightmare. And here's the thing, right? So I joined a Coinbase account, and I think right now it's so stupid. I'm lending, I don't know, like three dollars twenty because I was just testing things out, right? So I'm lending three dollars twenty. <laughs> Because I was just pressing on this button, just testing things out. It was um, a long time ago. So I think the gas was pretty cheap. That made sense. Or I got some like free airdrop or something, right? So, but now it's accumulating like 0.0002 cents or something ridiculous like that every single week, right? So you can imagine every, I have like 52 of these entries for this one single loan of $3.20. And they don't register anything, but you still have to account for that, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm using a tool and that tool will pick up all those transactions. And yeah, that's why it's kind of ridiculous. But I'm glad that it's over. So I'm going to learn my lesson and try to simplify it next year. Try to figure out a way to cancel that loan so that I'm not lending $3.20 to some smart contract. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I say, glad that I don't have that headache. But yeah, so that's pretty much outside of you know several things, like small things that I did. Those were the big pieces that I quote unquote highlights of my week. What's new with you? Well, not too much new with me, but um last week we spoke a little bit about the get by WP discussion board listed on Flipper, I believe. It's been a process that I've been going through. It's been surprisingly slow. Their support team isn't as responsive as I would have expected it to be. So Flipper's business model is to charge you to list your business, which is it is standard across more, let's call them premium. Not that Flipper's a premium marketplace, but a few other of the marketplaces other than MicroQuire charge you to actually list your business. And then they additionally charge a success fee which is also quite standard for a lot of marketplaces. The difference with Flipper is their success fee is ridiculously high. It's like they want for the size of my transaction, 10% of mm-hmm. the, the sale price, essentially. And 
if I compare that to somebody like FlipWP, they only take a 1% success fee. Regardless, Flip has got this frequently asked question section on their pricing page that says, I mean, along the lines of, is a success fee negotiable? And they say, yes, we will match any other platform's success fee. So I emailed them and said, hey, I'm paying 1% at FlipWP. Will you match this? And anyway, that's taken a week for them to agree to match it. Not because they were pushing back, just because their support agents take quite a bit of time to respond. So I got the confirmation today that they will do a 1% flip fee, success fee, sorry. So I went to go kind of finalize the listing and went to the final step. And then it said, hey, it's a new month. You need to first enter your financials for the previous month. So that's where I'm stuck. I need to go and add April's figures and then the business will be listed on Flipper and we'll see what happens. Other than that, none of the other buyers that I'm talking to right now or that have contacted me have been very serious. At least some of them I thought were and then turned out to kind of just be duds. So there's no kind of winning candidate that I'm kind of working with at this point to get a deal done with everybody's kind of flaked out, which is a little bit disappointing, but not that it's an issue to me. Sales are strong of WP discussion board. The last three months have been really strong and this month's already looking strong and we're only five days in. So if I have to just run it on the side as a side thing, I'm happy to do that too if it doesn't sell. But it'll be interesting to see what happens on Flipper if I am able to find a buyer. Yeah, other than that, another big happening of this past week was that I have gone back to full-time contract work. So some of you may remember, if you've listened to some of the more recent podcast episodes, that I was doing two days a week from January up until now on my contract work. And that was mostly out of feeling really burnt out and tired and I needed a break. And I feel like I've in a lot of ways, kind of, I had recovered from that and I was feeling pretty fresh. And last week, the company that I contract for said, Hey, there is a new client and it's a big client. It's a big job and they would like me to be involved with it. And at the same time, I was thinking, Hey, like it would be nice to make a little bit more money and only working two days obviously doesn't pay that well. I mean, it pays well, but it, it's nowhere near what I would like to earn to kind of cover most of my monthly costs. I was having to subsidize my costs uh, with income from WP Discussion Board. So I agreed to do it and things moved really quickly. And then this week, I'm essentially back full time since it was the beginning of a month and was a good kind of transition point. And so far, it has been... uh, I'd say exhausting. (laughs) I'm super tired and I I forgot what it's like. It's been hard and I've been feeling a little bit despondent about it because I've got the sense that because I put so much into kind of my contract work, by the end of the day, I'm super tired and I don't have energy to work on my own things and I feel a bit like failure and that I'm not going to be able to kind of achieve some of my dreams and things that I want to do, build a software business. And yeah, that's been something that I've been dealing with, just the general tiredness and then the knock-on effect of that is this feeling of failure in a way. I don't know if failure is the right word, but just um, feeling dejected that things aren't going to work out the way that I want because I've just 
don't have time. And I've also got like some of you who listen regularly will know three kids, which keep me super busy. Today, I spent two and a half hours building a hat with my son for his school. He's got, they're having a hat day at school tomorrow and they all can bring in a custom hat. <laughs> but, you know, two and a half hours later, I was, you know, after a long day of contract work, even coming on and recording this podcast felt like a peel battle to fight or to climb. Maybe I can find myself a routine that I can get into where I can make it work, but there's going to have to be a lot of adjustments and I'm going to have to spend some time figuring that out and figuring out how I can make this work because I'd like to make it work, but I also care a lot more these days about my mental health than I have in the past. And, you know, not caring about my mental health has led to periods of burnout and in some cases severe burnout. And I don't want to get to that point again. So it's a balancing act and I just, it's something that I need to figure out. Hmm. So the question I want to ask you is, what do you think is the minimum amount of time you need to validate your idea? Because I think perhaps a lot of people who has a full-time job, a family to feed, and we see this a lot, right, on Twitter, people doing their side hustle. And I think a lot of the times, it's tough, right? Don't get me wrong. I think it's very tough to do it after hours, you know, before you go to work. There are these inspirational stories where they're waking up early, they do three hours before they go to work, and then they spend the entire day at work, and then they do customer support or something different after dinner or something like that, after their kids gone to bed, and then somehow after X number of months or years, and then everything worked, right? And then they were able to just do that. So I think maybe this is a good question to ask ourselves, or it's a good thing to explore right now. Just brainstorm let's say if you sold your wordpress discussion board plugin what's the minimum amount of time can you commit to and then from that amount of time what can you do to validate different ideas so that you can begin on this next chapter on working on something so that you can start building again yeah it's a good question And I think the answer is not a straightforward one. The answer is really, it depends. But what I've seen, the approach that I think I would prefer to take is almost to sell the idea before you build it. And I've got a tendency just to want to jump into building first, you know, without having proved a market, without having, you know, even done any customer research or um, any kind of got feedback from people in the industry of where I'm kind of wanting to go in. I just like to jump in and build and and then kind of release it and see if it works. And I'd like to change that approach to something that's more along the lines of, I've got a very limited amount of time. How can I, you know, make the best use of that time? And if we're talking about validating an idea here, well, I think one of the best ways is not wasting the time building something out, but rather going directly to market. And maybe there's a step before that where you've got to build some sort of an audience in the space that you're wanting to go into. So maybe that's like kind of the first step is just consistently creating a profile 
on the internet, whether it's on LinkedIn, Twitter, wherever your kind of target market hangs out, go in there and just slowly but surely, like just giving out advice answering questions, asking questions, getting involved in the community, getting your name recognized. And then from that point, when you've got a following, and that's work that doesn't, I don't think it's very intensive work. Some of it can be automated. So you could use tools like Buffer to schedule tweets and tweet threads and things like that. And it can be done in short time blocks. And if it starts catching on and you're able to build an audience, it's a lot easier to take that audience and I think what generally happens is they tell you what they want over time and you either come up with a product idea or listen to the feedback and see what people want and then you sell the idea and you see if somebody's willing to pay for it before you even build it and if that happens I think then you validated your idea and I think I believe that can be done with significantly less time than you would need if you were going to build out an MVP and just release it. The challenge obviously comes, is going to come a point where you have to build that MVP, but maybe at that point you've bought in income from the pre-sales that you can start using that to take some time aside. And in my case, you know, reduce my contract in hours, use that income to just like get the MVP done. I think there's a lot of motivation as well to get the MVP done if somebody's paid for it and you you have promised them that you're going to deliver. So in terms of like a minimum amount of time, I don't know if there is, and I think it depends on niche industry, like what specific market that you're trying to go to. I think if you do have a limited amount of time, like I do, you have to be a lot more strategic about how you spend that time. And something that I've been really bad at in the past is not being strategic and just trying to move at all costs and just trying to make progress. Whereas I think I need to be a little bit more tactful in how I approach this kind of next season that I'm going into. So let's just say, I know we can be general, right? But let's just say in your situation, let's imagine if your project currently is just going to be the the same way. I assume you're you have a 40-hour work week, which is pretty regular. So let's say if you have to spend time on validating your idea. Number one, you mentioned the community. So where would you start building a community? Is it Twitter? Is it LinkedIn? And then second is who would be your customer? What sort of solution are you trying to validate? Can you take us through, I don't know, like the first two or three steps of that process? Yeah, So in my specific case, I haven't committed to one single idea at the moment. So I'll hypothetically come up or use an example of a direction that I think I'm going to head. And in that case, the audience would live mostly on Twitter. There's a strong audience for the specific market on Twitter. And what I would do is create an account starting from scratch and just start writing at least one piece of content every day, preferably a little bit more than that. And then like two or three big threads per week as well. And like value packed content, like really good information, almost information that people would be willing to pay for. And if you can get that out there, I think you would start slowly building a name for yourself. I would potentially even do some sponsored posts and like promoting my own content in front of my audience. And then I would also 
go and find kind of industry leaders uh, in the specific space and I would follow them and I would be very active in their comments, their reply section on their big thread. So if they're doing threads that get really popular, I would be responding to the specific thread, but then also responding to people who've responded just so that people can see my name coming up and my brand coming up. And that's the approach I would take. I would also have a single landing page with a opt-in form. And one other approach I really like is also YouTube. I think YouTube can be successful for pretty much any industry or, or niche. So I'd start creating a lot of YouTube videos and I saw a really interesting post this week from a person named, I'm probably going to butcher his surname, but it's Matt Givanisi and he's from moneylab.co and he sent out a newsletter and talked about how he creates a content machine or a new strategy he's trying for a content machine where essentially you start with the article. So you write a real like long form article and that becomes the script for a video so you can create a video, you kind of bullet point the article and produce a video out of that. And then out of that, you can get social threads, like tweet threads, for instance, or Instagram posts, depending on what your space is. But let's use tweet thread as an example. So from the article, you can you know, narrow that down into a Twitter thread and you can post that on Twitter. He kind of goes through these different steps and it's taken one piece of content and just repurposing it for all these different platforms. And that's the approach I would take. I would create articles so that they start ranking early for SEO. I would create videos so that I start attracting audience and this would all lead to an opt-in page as well. So I'm starting to collect email addresses and then tweet threads as well, which are great for kind of more real-time interaction with the community or, or market that you're trying to serve. Okay. I think I would probably do something like that as well. Probably the audience building, I don't, I'm not sure about that. I know... For some people, it works really well for them. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't think that's really necessary. I don't think it's, there's any harm in doing that, but it's going to be a long-term game. What's the alternative approach? What's the approach that you would take? Well, I just think it's going to take very long, right, for you to go and slowly build up that audience. I think the with the article, it makes perfect sense, but your article doesn't need the audience up front, right? I guess you can build your audience along the way. So the one thing I would challenge is that you said you would think it would take a very long time. I don't think it would. I think if you're producing the right content, I, for instance, had a Twitter thread go viral two years ago when I was actually focusing. I spent a month just focused and seeing if I could get some Twitter growth. And okay. out of yeah. that one thread that went viral, I probably got four or 500 followers. So I think it can happen very quickly. And if you're doing it consistently, I think it kind of, it's almost like this compounding effect. And still to this day, this week, I got somebody respond to that thread two years ago. So it's still being mm -hmm. seen by people. I think the longer term approach is the actual, the SEO approach, but it's got a longer term benefit. And I think it's a risky strategy with limited amounts of time to build something for a market that you don't know exists or is willing to buy your product. For sure. I, I'm not suggesting that's the alternative. We're definitely figuring out what's the MVP, right? Like what's technically, if you have an audience, you can sell them courses and digital products. Or once you have the audience, then there are different ways to monetize that audience, right? 
But I guess it's from the point of view of finding a product market fit or to take it a, a step earlier, finding problem solution fit. What I tried to do previously, I was exploring an idea on Shopify with someone else. And we would look for a list of Shopify owners. And I think there are ways to find that because you can find all the domains of Shopify owner. And then we built a scraper to scrape all the the emails. And then we started cold emailing them because most of them have like a support. And if there are small Shopify stores, not like the giant brands, and there will be someone who is the owner. So we try to reach out and we try to chat with them. And I think in the end, we did like 20 to 30 customer interviews. It's more of a sort of a brute force way. I mean, it still took time because even if you can reach all of them on day one, you still have to schedule the time to chat with them. My feeling on that is that it's, it's exactly the same thing. I mean, essentially, that is your audience, your first set of customers. It's just a different approach. So I use Twitter as an example. Maybe it was a bad example. Another example is Facebook groups, for instance. Those are also super effective for, especially in the WordPress space, being able to get early feedback or people that are interested in a product idea that you have. You can throw it out onto a group and just get immediate feedback without having built it. And people start recognizing your name. Your profile becomes starts growing. And when you actually come to launch, there's like some sort of recognition there that people say, hey, I've, I've seen this person coming up. His, his product might be worth trying out. The audience building these days, I maybe used the wrong word. I mean, it is audience building, but not in the traditional sense that you see people selling courses on audience building. And it's kind of this one generic people that follow you because they're interested in you as a person. I'm more talking about connecting with people that are interested in you and what you have to offer in a business setting. And LinkedIn's also very a very effective channel for that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, I don't know if I would go the generic approach to say, hey, Matt Jerry, software developer, entrepreneur, follow me and my journey and build an audience through that. I'd look more like, as an example, Matt Jerry, the person who allows you to monetize your website using subscriptions. And that's a lot more specific to the audience that I would want to attract to build my product for. Yeah, I would disagree with you because I don't, in no way I felt I was building an audience myself. Because like, I think those people, they're not really my audience. When I talk to them for once, yeah, I can, I would ask them, you know, whether I can follow with them, but there was literally like zero relationship. Did you not put them on an email list? Yes, I did, but I can always email them. But I would say it's very different. I think most of them during the call, either they're curious, but I think most of the time, you know, they see it as them offering some value to me. It's just that they happen to have whatever, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. So it's Mm -hmm. okay, right? This guy from Canada wants to chat and I want to learn a little bit. So I'm going to give him the time. It was really tough, right? Just even to get people to talk to you because a lot of them think that you're trying to sell them something when we have to be very clear that, hey, we're just validating this idea of a problem that we believe we might have. Your way would be much, much more effective because once they become your Twitter follower, it's much easier to reach out to them, even one by one, if you have to DM them to chat with them. I'm usually like not very good at that, like audience building. So it's something 
yeah, I think you, you definitely can do that. And it's definitely effective with certain people's personality or maybe certain industries. And I've seen people selling courses, selling products, selling themes, selling many different things that use that strategy. So I'll be interested to figure out like how you can do that repeatedly, right? Like, so my question would be how to do that on a continuous basis. So, because if you can do that, you can try to, you know, accumulate 300, 400, eventually that engine or that flywheel is going to really go, right? And uh, you can grow your audience to 100K. Then now you have, it's it'll be easy to find 10 people, 20 people, 50 people, not just to chat with you on this idea that you're trying to validate, but actually prepay, right? Prepay whatever, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, because you have their attention. You know what they want. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've seen a lot of people do this. I've got a very good friend who has pre-sold pretty much every product he has built and he does not have a big audience. He kept a low profile for quite a long time, but he had an email list and an email list is the most powerful thing that you can own. And that's what essentially would be my kind of bottom of the funnel is that I would be creating all these little funnels that lead into this basket which is you know an email capture and using and consistently emailing out again you know talking just going back to that content machine that i was talking about matt from money lab you can repurpose those articles into newsletters as well that you can send out on a weekly basis and if you're consistently delivering value to an audience it's not something that's going to happen overnight but i think it can grow pretty fast and over time, you can it can be very effective. In terms of like the courses and themes and and things like that, I don't know if I would be so much into that. Maybe I don't know. Like if the audience wanted it, I'd be willing to give it to them. But my thinking around this is, hey, if I'm building a software product, I'm building the audience to eventually buy that software product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Also, Rob Walling talked about this on his podcast, Startups for the Rest of Us. He would mention that all things being equal, having an audience definitely help in the initial stages, right? Because you your initial customers could come from that group. So automatically you have an advantage. At some point it taps out. So well for him it's it's about building software. So he mentioned that at some point you need to reach out outside of that audience anyway. Like having that initial group can create that spark, but for the long term you still need to figure out how to go outside of that audience, whether it's SEO, whether it's paid ads, other channels. Yeah. All right. So I think, yeah, one future topic that we can explore is to figure out exactly the steps, right? To get those like 500 new followers every month or every whatever, like every tweet thread on a consistent basis. That way you can- It would be interesting to run an experiment and try do it and see how effective it was and how how quickly it can be done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll definitely be interested in doing that. Like, even, maybe even just for my personal account. Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe that's a topic for next week or in the future. So, what outcome are you looking forward to seeing this upcoming week? I'm going to stick to one outcome. I want to write an article. Simple as that. It's not for just the WP discussion board. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be about yet. Might be on mattjerry.com, might be on. One of my other sites, I've got a site called Bush Story, which is all about wildlife, but that's going to be my outcome. That's what I want to do this week. You know, low commitments, again, working full-time as a contractor, I need to uh, 
be very careful about how much I put on my plate. But I want to get more into the habits of writing. And that's what it's more about. It's not so much about the kind of output of what I get. It's trying to force myself to start writing again. I have in the past had periods of uh, writing consistently and it's been extremely beneficial if I look back and see the results that I've got for it. So I want to start writing consistently. And part of that is committing to write one article this upcoming week. What are you going to commit to? Yeah. So now that I uh, have this Facebook ads thing under control, <laughs> now that I have an account and can push out ads for my customer, the next thing is coming back to my marketing, which is I need to develop a schedule for different topics for the writer that I have. Yeah, it's one of those things where I sort of know that I have to look at the different keywords, but I think I need to figure out the nitty gritty of maybe a couple of steps more for the writer so that I can give him something and then he can just go and start writing stuff without sort of too much back and forth. So perhaps for me, it's not really just write an article, but to basically brainstorm a list of keywords slash topics and put together a content schedule for the writer. Cool. Sounds and, good. Yeah. Cool. Can you uh, wrap us? Sure. Show notes can be found on bygrowrepeat.com. Johnny is at Johnny Tong on Twitter, and I'm at Matt Jerry. And this episode is edited by our good friend Rory Yonkakao. And his Instagram is at Radio Rory. See you next week. See ya.